Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, folks. This is August 12, 2015. This is episode 58 of Main Exposed. Information on this program is for educational purposes only. Take it away, Dottie. Thank you, Leon. Good evening and welcome. One more time on uh, the LePage saga. I'm Dottie LaFortune, your host. I'm here with my co-host and constitutional researcher, Phil Merletti. Good evening, Phil. Good evening, everybody. And joining us is Lise DuPont, researcher and author of Where Did the original constitutional state go. Lisa, are you with us? Oh, I'm right here. Oh, good. Thanks. Hi, Lisa. Um, Hi, Phil. Just before we get started, I just want to um, make this little reminder to the people out there that the discussion tonight is not about liking or disliking Governor LePage. It's about the rule of law. Now, we've had a few programs on what's been going on up there with the vetoes, and um, the main Supreme Court heard oral arguments on Friday, July 31st, over the disputed uh, Governor Paul LePage's veto, uh, vetoes. And tonight, uh, we will continue the discussion on the main Supreme Court's advisory opinion uh, that was released on Thursday, August 6th. And we'll learn from uh, Phil and Lee's uh, what they have found through their research on this opinion. I put the opinion out there uh, in the chat room, so uh, any reference to it, you can follow along. Phil, how do you want to start with this? Well, I want to start off with uh, where we left off at the uh, at the last talk show. All three of us had different opinions as to how we felt the uh, Supreme Court would come out with the opinion, and it was kind of based on us hearing what the um, Supreme Court justices said during their oral arguments. And, and ra- rather than each of us saying what, how we felt, we were all wrong, but somewhat right, because we all said that we didn't trust the uh, the Supreme Court because we knew that what they say and what they do in front of the people is one thing, but what they do behind closed doors is another. That's uh, right. As, as, as a matter of fact, what, we, we were 100% right on that because the opinion that came out, and, and I have to say this, and please, please don't get me wrong when I say this, what a beautiful piece of work these people did. They came up with 50-some-odd uh, pages, of uh, information. Uh, I think they could have done it in a page and a half uh, if, if they had approached it using the Constitution. But um, what they did is they, they didn't use the Constitution. They made a lot of references to it. 
But there's there's an old saying, and, and I think most everybody listening is is going to remember this one here, is if you can't fool a person, baffle them with BS. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and that's basically what they did with this whole report. This whole report is nothing but BS. Have they used the Constitution and 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 using the language as it's written nice and clearly? Uh, like I said, they they could have done it in a page and a half. Yeah, why do you but say they, they didn't use the Constitution? Well, um, it, they what they did is they used historical uh, practice as an example. They used past precedences as an example. They brought up. Uh, various constitutions throughout the state. Some of them were written quite similar to the way Maine is, but they uh, they they didn't choose them. They they chose the ones that uh, suited them best. And we could get in that into that as we go along. But um, like I said, it, the there was roughly 50 pages, actually 47 pages of content. 13 pages. Um, was based on comparing state constitutions, and 17 pages of this was based on uh, past tradition and um, historical practices uh, as to what happened in the state of Maine, and also uh, precedents that were unconstitutional in the past. And and and, and let me say this uh, before we get into it. If uh, if we as a society believed that it was all right to kill people, and uh, you know we kill people, kill babies, kill ladies just for the heck of it, and then all of a sudden we all got together one day and we said, you know, I think there's a law in a book somewhere that says we shouldn't be doing this, and we start looking looking at the laws, and all of a sudden we find that, geez, it's against the law to do this. So uh, one person says, well, now, now we have to enforce the law. We, we're not going to kill people anymore. And then someone stands up and says, well, geez, you know, it's a tradition that we do this. And then another person stands up and says, historically, um, it's it's the practice that we've used all these years. And a lawyer gets up and he says, but, geez, we set a precedent. How can we change things now? But the law is the law, and our Constitution is very clear as to what is the true law. And if, for those of you who have a Constitution out there, if you're to go to uh, Article 10, Section 6, the last uh, two sentences of, of Section 6 is very clear that the Constitution is prefixed to all statutes and that the main Constitution is the supreme law of the state. So we can't go by history, we can't go by uh, past practices, and we can't go by precedences if we start using the Constitution. And and I have to give the governor some credit here, um, whether you like to hear it or not. Um, the governor failed three times in, in, in the past by veto, vetoing bills while the legislature was out. And, and the uh, justices were were quite correct in, in bringing that point out. But now the governor's decided to use the Constitution, and he's decided to use it to the letter of the law, and now they're going to punish this man for using the Constitution. Because this time, the fourth time, 
he decided that he's going to use the Constitution and go exactly by the way it says. Now, his lawyer, very clear when she brought this information into the court, that this was the interpretation of the governor. And uh, if anybody reads the Constitution, it'll be your interpretation, too. There was nothing special about the governor's interpretation. It was, it was spot on. So anyway, um, we all received this, uh, this, this opinion, and um, it, it took several readings to, to really uh, get, get the gist of this. And um, one thing before we begin, I wanted to quote something right from the opinion. And for those of you who have that uh, brought up on, on your, your computer, on page four, it is very clear, the last sentence on page four, it says that this is an opinion of the justices. It is not an adjudication. It is, it is advisory only, which means the governor can take this or he doesn't have to take this. Where he goes from there is his, his business, but this is not a, a court case where the justices have got together and said, this is the way it is, folks. You've got to go by our opinion. Now, when I say by our opinion, um, we're, we're talking about the opinion of the justices, and, and that's another subject, and I believe I mentioned that last time. Article 6, Section 3 is, is also very clear. It says that the governor or the Senate or the House, uh, a long time ago it used to also say that it was the governor's uh, um, counsel who could also approach the Supreme Court with a question of law or a solemn occasion. And um, what, what that means is, is that the governor or the Senate or the House can talk to the Supreme Court, either verbally or do it in writing, and, and ask them for a clarification as to what the Constitution means. Are, are we really following the Constitution here? And, yeah, they could use their own opinion, but the opinion has to be based on the Constitution and, and not their own opinion. So I wanted to bring out those two facts before we go any further. They're, they're, they're very clear here saying that this is advisory only, but they're not clear when they say that um, they're going to use the Constitution for their opinion. Um, Lise, you're, you're on right now, right? I'm right here. Okay. Um, you you did some research, and I'm wondering if you can explain some of this research because um, in the year 1901, I'm sorry, 1801, the um, the Supreme Court was approached in in a very like manner as uh, as this, and um, it, it kind of set the stage. You want to explain that? Okay. The the uh, Dottie, it's the 1901. Well, 1901, right. One uh, question of law case that I okay. sent you that you could put uh, in the room if you can. Yeah, I will. Okay, and then also put in the 1897 question of law because those two are going to tie in together. 18, okay. eight, wait a minute, 18, 1897. 
and then 19-1. Okay. Uh, I don't have the, I have the 1891. Um, I don't oh, have an 18. You're right, you're right. It's 1891. Sorry. Okay, 1891. Okay. I'll put that up in the chat room for them. Yes, could you please? Okay, now, uh, uh, it's important to show the people, I'm, I'm a big stickler in showing the people how it's supposed to work under Article 6, Section 3, because that's what we're dealing with, which is the question of law, where the justices are obliged to uh, provide answers to whoever is asking the question, whether it be the governor or the legislators, and it used to be the council, which we don't have anymore. All right, okay. let me bring this up, Lise. Let me just bring this up. You just mentioned Article, Article what four? Article oh, Article six, section three. Okay, okay, okay. In this nineteen one case, it's a question of law. There were five justices who refused. Uh, to provide an answer. And remember, under Article 6, Section 3, it uses the word justices, plural, all of them. Every one of them has to give an answer, whether they're in agreement with, with, the, with a few of them or the majority of them, or if they want to dissent from, from who, whatever the discussion is. But every one is required to give an answer. Okay, now in this 19-1, remember, this is 114 years ago. This is an old case. Five justices refused to provide an answer, and three justices did provide an answer. And one of those who refused to provide an answer was that Andrew Wiswell. Now, what do we know about this guy? This guy was an incorporator into the 1891 Maine State Bar Association, and he was also Speaker of the House, of which uh, he had a major, major conflict because he represents the people, and he had no right to be an incorporator within a private organization that eventually destroyed our court system. So there's Andrew Wiswell right there in 19-1 who has violated the Constitution in Article uh, 6, Section 3 because he was required to provide an answer. Now, I don't talk about the others uh, because I wanted to point out this Wiswell character. Okay, now, if you look, it's, hopefully it's in the chat room by now. If you look on page uh, 3 of that case, uh, you're going to see in the first column, in the last paragraph, it's going to say that in 1891, this was the very first time that justices uh, started questioning uh, whether a solemn occasion exists. Now, what is a solemn occasion? A solemn occasion is only, and I say only, it is only a proceeding. That's all it is. So the way it works is when somebody who's mentioned in Article 6, Section 3, either the legislators or the governor, 
the counsel is gone. They can ask the question of law. Once they send it over to the chief justice, it is now the job of the chief justice to announce it to the other justices and to set up a time frame where they would all meet in some room somewhere and discuss the question of law because they all have to give an answer. That's what the proceeding is. It is not a court proceeding, okay? It's not a court proceeding. That's what a solemn occasion is. It's got nothing to do with determining as to whether the question of law is important, is compelling, or if it's a dumb question. They don't have a right to decide to determine whether they're going to, uh, uh, whether a solemn occasion exists. First of all, there's no such thing whether a solemn occasion exists. So okay. solemn occasion has nothing to do with a question of law. It, it's only how the proceeding will will go into the into the judge's uh, room down there in Portland. Okay, that's what it means. That's what solemn occasion means. And by the way, uh, for some people who don't know, I was the one that uh, wrote that brief, uh, of which everybody else read it and agreed to it and whatever. But I did put a definition of solemn, and it does say proceedings. That's all it is. How can you determine if a solemn occasion exists when there's no such thing? Okay? So 1891 was the very first time that this happened where somebody questioned, and this is where the five justices decided they weren't going to answer, uh, and they violated the Constitution. All of them should have been impeached. Okay? Now, when we go look at, it says here that there were two justices uh, it's right there on page three at the bottom. It says Justice. Wait, on page three, you know, on what one are you talking about? The uh, 1901. Okay, all right. I don't know if you're talking about the, the report or the, okay, 1901. Okay, page three. On page three, right at the bottom, at the bottom of the first column, it says that uh, Justices uh, Emery and, and uh, Whitehouse, uh, it said they. They said that it, um, the facts stated do not indicate any solemn occasion exists. Okay? Now, when you go over to page uh, 7 of the 19-1, you go down on the second column, um, uh, the, the first paragraph of that, of that column, at the end of that paragraph, it says here, uh, you wait a second here. The undersigned justices, Emory and Whitehouse, concurred in their refusal to answer in the latter case, which is the 1891, but wider research and more mature consideration have now convinced them that they were then in error. So they discovered that they were wrong 10 years prior to that decision that was made in 1891, okay? Now, I want to I switch gears here for a second, and I want to get into the opinion of the justices. Uh, now, at least LePage. before you do that, could I stop you for a second? The key that I was looking for you to mention is the language of treason. 
Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Okay. Okay. Now, I want to go to the actual opinion of the justices that was brought forth on August 6th. Okay? If you look at LePage's, there are five pages of LePage, uh, of, of his counsel that uh, she put together, it's on page four of his 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 material, not the opinion itself. Oh, all right. Look, you, you need you need uh, the governor's. Um... I'm talking about the brand new opinion of 2015. Okay? All right, I thought. Yeah. Okay. So we're on the. We're going to go to 2015 for a moment because I want to prove something. Okay, I'm going to show you that even what Page's attorney uh, screwed up. Okay, and you're going to see that on page four of LePage's material, not the opinion itself, but LePage's material. So if you look on page four. All right, well, I don't have that up for them, Lise, but I'll try to get it up. Uh, Don't you have the opinion right there? Well, I don't have his opinion, but I'm going to go look for it here. No, it's it's the opinion. Uh, their opinion includes his five pages. Okay. Their opinion. They they uh, attached his his question of law to their opinion to show what he was asking. Okay. Okay. And you want us to go to which page? I want you to go to page four of LePage's material. There are five pages of LePage's material. I want you to go to page four because I want to show, again, what these justices discovered that they made an error when they started started refusing to answer based on whether a solemn occasion exists. Now I'm going to show you even LePage's attorney screwed up in terms of solemn occasion. Okay, it says here, with great deference, therefore, I respectfully submit to you that these facts present the important questions of law and solemn occasion necessary to invoke your constitutional authority to issue advisory opinions under Article 6, Section 3 of the Maine Constitution. There can be no doubt that the validity of the laws at issue is a constitutionally important question. Likewise, according to a 1975 opinion of the justices, for it to be a solemn occasion, the questions must be tentative, must not be tentative, hypothetical, and abstract. Subject of advisory opinions must be of instant, not past or future concerns, things of live gravity. And that is the opinion of 1936. The questions of whether the constitutional three-day procedure was triggered by the legislator's action or inaction, including but not limited to its failure to legally extend the session and or its conditional adjournment without day, raise sufficiently important legal questions that must be answered. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. What is this attorney saying? What she is doing is that she's falling into the trap 
of saying, you must answer based on these conditions. The conditions is, uh, there's an important question of law. It's a compelling question of law. It's not, it, they're not dumb questions. We're not coming here for nothing. So therefore, uh, it rises to the level of a solemn occasion. His own attorney did this. Under Article 6, Section 3 says, the justices are obliged. Obliged means mandatory. You have no discretion. You don't have any, none at all. When you are obliged to do something, you can't say, oh, well, it's based on an important question or it's based on a compelling question. If we think your question is dumb, we're just not going to answer it. You see, there are no conditions. There's no discretion under Article 6, Section 3. But yet his own attorney fell into this trap. Is anybody following me? So far. Okay, good. But I hope you get to the main point here of treason. I do. Okay, okay. so so then we're going to go to, I, I, I wrote all kinds of, uh, uh, all kinds of, of, of information here. Okay, on page, on page three. Let me see, let's go back to page three here. Uh, All right. Okay. I'm trying to follow you, Lise, and I lost you. I'm sorry to say. She didn't okay. mention the report that she's on, though. Which report? Okay, we're going to go back now to the 1891. Okay, 1891. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, and so let me see here. The light here is not very good here in my room. Okay, it's it says here, uh, we're going to go back to the 1891. Okay, it says here. Where? Um, the language of the... Con- Which page, Lise? Uh, we're on page five. Of 1891 question of law? The 18, the 19-1 question oh. of law. Okay. Okay. Okay, page, page again? Okay, uh, it is page five. Okay, now it says here, the language of the constitutional provision, which is Article 6, Section 3, under which our opinion is required, is explicit and mandatory. Now, isn't that a revelation? It's explicit and mandatory. There is no discretion. Please, nothing to the discretion of the judges. That is... Uh, that it is erroneous upon um, onerous, uh, onerous, uh, onerous upon the justices that it may at times cause them great embarrassment to give opinions more or less hurriedly without the aid of opposing arguments. That it may injuriously affect personal or property rights without giving the person affected an opportunity to be heard. That it may that it may be abused by both, and then they say branches. The only branches are located in the in the legislature. It's departments of the government entitled to use it, or generally that it has proved to be an unwise provision detrimental to the principle of the separation and independence of the three departments of government. 
cannot, of course, justify any justice in refusing to render this constitutional provision complete obedience. Isn't that something? Or to effectuate its full purpose. It is paramount law binding upon the justices of the court until the people see fit by constitutional amendment to relieve the justices of the burden. Okay? Now, if if we go down a little further to the uh, next to the last paragraph on page five, it says here, in view of some objections made, it may properly be noted here that it is not now questioned that the opinions given under this constitutional provision, which is Article 6, Section 3, uh, are not adjudications and are not within the principle of stare decisis. They are merely opinions in the in the way of advice like those of counsel. The justices giving them are in no degree bound to adhere them when the same questions arise again. Now I'm going to get to the part uh, about the uh, about the treason. And that is where you're going to find this on page 7. On page 7. And it says here down below, we cannot decline an answer if we would. We have no more right to decline the exercise of a jurisdiction which is given than to usurp that which is not given. And what is not given in Article 6, Section 3 is discretion. They are obliged. Which Where do you is, see that? Which paragraph leaves on page 7? Uh, at the bottom of the first column, and then it goes into the top of the second column. And then the last sentence of that, it says, the one or the other would be treason to the Constitution. Okay, now let's go back to the 2015, the 2015 uh opinion of the justices, I'm going to show you one more time that the justices violated Article 6, Section 3. You're going to find that on page 1 of the opinion of the justices. It is the second paragraph, and I'll read it to you. We invite invited input from the governor's office, the legislature, and interested members of the public. Can they do that? No. The, the, the uh, members of the public are not even mentioned in Article 6, Section 3. It says what it says, and it means what it means. So, she, so Shoffley has already violated Article 6, Section 3. She ought to be impeached, just like Andrew Wiswell and the other four that refused to answer. And then, it, and then it talks about all the the ones that they uh, uh, that they receive uh, briefs from. Okay, okay. And then, and uh, okay. And then it says here, oral argument on the questions will be held on July thirty first, two thousand fifteen. There is another violation. 
Article 6, Section 3 says nothing about having hearings, arguments. All this is about is that those that are mentioned in that article and section are the only ones that can ask a question of law once the Chief Justice gets it in her hands. Then she announces it to the other justices, and they meet somewhere in Portland, and they decide uh, how they're going to answer this. That is the solemn occasion. But what did she do? She converted this into an adversarial situation where different attorneys uh, went in and argued, and that is not that's a violation of the Article 6, Section 3. Right there. Two violations. Right there. He ought to be impeached. With, without a doubt. Now, the reason why I wanted you to bring up that, that treason language right. is for two reasons. It's because many of the socialists who have written about us writing briefs and sending them into the Supreme Court uh, didn't like the language that was used where we mentioned treason. That's right. The second reason why I wanted you to, to mention that is that the opinion that they gave was not in light of the Constitution. It was their own personal opinion based on the facts that they picked out based on history, policy, and practice, and precedent. That's right. Okay, so now once I'm again, once a... again, they violated the Constitution by not answering the governor's three questions using the Constitution. Okay, now I'm going to show you a third violation, and you're going to see that under discussion, and it's on page two, and it's the it says a solemn occasion. Notice what they do. What they're doing is that. They are leading us to believe, us, the, the public out here, they're leading us to believe that solemn occasion means something other than what the Constitution says. Okay? So it says here, before addressing the questions, we are required, notice the word required, we are required by the main Constitution to determine, really? They are allowed to determine when Article 6, Section 3 says that they are obliged mm-hmm. Okay, to determine whether each of the questions presents a solemn occasion. Remember, there's no such thing, uh, what she just said. Remember what a solemn occasion is. is it's a proceeding and has nothing to do with uh, the question of law being it's asked. That, it's got nothing to do with with determining whether the question of law is important and compelling or it's a dumb question or whatever. It's got nothing to do with that at all. Okay. The Constitution provides that the justices of the Supreme Judicial Court shall be obliged. I mean, these are two conflicting uh, uh, situations here. She says... Before we can address questions, we are required for the main Constitution to determine about a solemn occasion. And then she tells us what the Constitution says, is that it says that we shall be obliged. So how can you have both? Mm-hmm. Okay, so it says here, shall be obliged to give their opinion upon important questions of law and upon solemn occasions when required by the governor 
Senate or House of Representatives. Uh, Maine Constitution, Article 6, uh, uh, Section 3. Thus, we must determine whether each question presents a solemn occasion that confers on us the constitutional authority to answer the questions propounded. So she's saying, unless it's important, compelling, it's not a dumb question, we'll decide if we should answer or not, even but though the see, Constitution says otherwise. But you see, Lise, the opinion that they're using at the end of that is uh, an opinion of the justice, and, and it's in 2015. Okay, you know, now look at, look at number five. Uh, do, you hear, do you hear what I'm saying? Her opinion is based on a, on a, on a previous opinion. Uh, well, we'll get to that in a second. Okay? Okay. Uh, yep. okay. So, so here she goes uh, with, her, with, with other opinions. Uh, and it's number five, and it's on page, uh, on page two. A solemn occasion arises when questions are of a serious and immediate nature. And the situation presents an unusual ex ex existency, whatever that word is, okay? And that is a 2012 opinion of the justices. Uh, see, that's not true. Not true at all. Not well, true. Well, she's, she's, she's quoting an opinion. Uh, she's back up a, her opinion. Oh, she's quoting a 2012 opinion. Uh, right. But the, but the quote that she uses, or they, I should say they, because they all agree to this, uh, the quote that they use is not true, not true at all. Okay, then, she, then they go on. Uh, such, and how, how do you pronounce that word? E-X-I-G-E-N-C-Y. Exigency. Exigency. Exists when the body making the inquiry, <laughs> having some action in view, has serious doubts, as to its power and authority to take such action under the Constitution or under existing statutes. And this is another opinion of 2002. This also is false. The Constitution says what it says. It says obliged. Okay? It goes to show that they, that they uh, violated the Constitution a, lot, a long time before this opinion came out. Okay? Uh, and then it says here, only where the facts in support of the alleged solemn occasion are clear and compelling will we determine that a uh, solemn occasion exists. Well, this is all a lie in the report, then. Yes. Uh, all of it is false. Yeah. It's all false. Remember we what I said in the beginning. On page, uh, uh, page three on the top, we will only answer questions. Now, isn't that abrasive of them to say that? Mm. What were you going to say, Phil? Your question yeah. concern a matter of live gravity, and that's another 2012 opinion. They have no right to do this whatsoever. This is absolutely false. What it, Phil, well, what were you going well, to just say remember, about Remember, if you can't fool a person, baffle them with BS. That's right. And this is a prime example of baffling people with BS. It... it it's an insult to everyone's intelligence, and and not only that, but um, they they think that the average person, and they're 100% right. When the average person looks at this, or if it's a legislator, or if it's the governor, or or a lawyer, or the news media, 
they pick this up and they look at this and they say, my God, 50 pages. This is a fantastic report. It's got references. It says an awful lot here. But they really don't realize that they haven't used the Constitution in their opinion. They used their own personal opinion. They used other states' constitutions, which I'm hoping we'll be able to get to. They, they, they uh, explained where the legislature um, for many decades violated the Constitution. And, of course, the governor did three times, as I just mentioned before. Now all of a sudden he decides he's going to use the Constitution, and they're punishing the man. That's right. Phil, let me ask you this. Is this all lost here for LePage right now? Well, I'm not sure. I believe that um, there's still an open window. Uh, I've, I've made contact with the governor's office. Uh, I, I made. I left many messages with the lawyer, his lawyer, saying that the governor can refuse this, and if we get together, we can go right through this and tear this report apart, and then the governor can go back again and ask them for that opinion again, based on the Constitution. Because, again, they used uh, other states' constitutions in making their decisions, and they used past practice. And we could get into that language uh, as we go through this. Um, we're only on page three so far, and I'm hoping we could just uh, zoom through this as quick as possible, because looking at the clock right now, I believe we've got 20 minutes left. Okay, mm -hmm. now, if you continue on page three, uh, right there at number six, it says, historically, now isn't that quite a revelation? Mm. We have concluded that the facts are clear and compelling where the questions involve constitutionally mandated conduct on the part of the governor under circumstances where the governor has serious doubts as to his power and authority. And one more time, they cite a 2002 uh, 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 old opinion of the justices. They have, and then it goes on uh, further, and it says here, uh, they talk about the 1975, determining that a solemn occasion exists where the governor was faced with the choice to either act or refuse to act now. They have no authority whatsoever, none at all, to determine whether they're going to answer the question or not. They are obliged to answer the question, even, like, like it said in that 1901, even if they are embarrassed or they have to uh, talk about something that they really don't want to do, uh, it may affect somebody else and whatever, uh, they are obliged, and it, and it says in here in that 19.1, until the people see that this needs to be changed by amendment, they have to answer. That's it. They have. Okay, now, the other thing I want to raise, and, and we're going to try and get through this as quickly as possible here, I want to go to page five of LePage's material. And the reason I want to go there is because LePage asked three questions by with his attorney, okay? On page five, take notice. I keep saying this to people. Notice what it says, but also notice what it doesn't say, okay? LePage talked about 
Article 4, Part 3, Section 2. Nowhere does LePage say anything about Article 4, Part 3, Section 1. In, remember, in, in Article 6, Section 3, it is a question of law. It is not a question of facts, nor is it about statements of facts. The justices can only answer what is asked. And if you don't ask something, they have no right to, an to answer something you didn't ask. Mm -hmm. Okay? No. Okay, but in our brief, we mentioned Article 4, section, Part 3, uh, Section 1, and then in there it says that the legislature must create a statute where they have a, a, a time frame uh, to adjourn uh, or they can extend certain days, uh, and you're going to see that in Title Three, Section 2. And that, that Title Three, Section 2 is very, very clear as far as the first and the second session. Mm -hmm. Okay? So remember, uh, he, he, there are statements about uh, uh, Article 4, Part 3, Section 1, and Title 3, and, and, and uh, Section 2, but there are no questions about it, none, because that is the basis, I, I made it the basis of, the, of our brief, is that if they had, if they didn't uh, extend the uh, uh, legislative days after the third Wednesday of June, they had no authority to meet the next day. But nowhere does LePage say anything in his three questions. No. I, I, I think if we were working with him, we would have had a different set of three questions. Well, if you looked at the question that I asked, see, the, the, re, see, the real basis is did they have a de uh, did the legislators have a delegation of authority to go beyond June 17th? And the answer is no. No. If you turn to page 11 on the uh, report from the uh, Supreme Court, the uh, the justices explain there that the 17th was the last day uh, for adjournment. Okay, and that on the 18th, that they, they came back the 18th. And what they said here is that, uh, you know, if, if, if you read this, the, um, what, what they're saying is, is it on this page? Oh, just give me a second here. I think I got the wrong, wrong yeah, No, you are right. Okay. You, you're talking about the, uh, uh, the date set for a German on the 18th? Yeah. Okay, it's actually the 17th. It's right on the top. It says here that there was a joint order, order right. on the first motion to extend the legislative session uh, dated June 17, 2015. Right. Okay. Uh, now, here's my question. Number one, LePage never asked about Title Three, Section 2. So why are the justices raising that? They can only answer what he asked. And he didn't ask anything about this. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's one issue. The second issue is when when they issued the joint order on June seventeenth, which was the third Wednesday in June, that they must adjourn unless they extend it if it's an emergency and they extend it five days. They're allowed five days and then they're allowed another five days and then 
on the 11th day, that's for the governor uh, to bring forth his objections and whatever. Mm-hmm. How can you put forth a joint order claiming that you extended five legislative dates when nobody voted on it? How can you do that? Nobody voted on June 17th to extend the five days, but yet the joint order says that they did, but yet they went and voted the next day. How can this be valid? It, it can't be. But see, now this is their, their excuse. It says, first and perhaps most importantly, this is the last paragraph on page 11, first and perhaps most importantly is it affirmatively the role of the legislature to say when it is in session. That's not correct. Because, that's, that's right. Because Section 1 says that they have to make a statute to corral them to a certain date. Then it goes on to say there was no procedural objection by any member of the legislature to the extension of the session on the June 18th vote. Well, we mentioned this in our last week's discussion on the phone here. What we said was that they sat in, in silence and they sat in ignorance. It was okay, very but clear. It can be used as an excuse. But when, see, when you have a duty in your public office, if you choose not to uh, perform your duties and you use silence, silence is equated with fraud. That's why yeah. I said in the brief, uh, they, they, they didn't say anything, they didn't do anything. Uh, somebody calls a roll call, Thibodeau calls a roll call. Uh, they're all voting. They're not even supposed to be there in the first place. No. And that's why I called it fraud and treason, because silence is equated with fraud. If you use the word ignorance, I can claim ignorance. That gives me an excuse to, to get off the hook. So that's why I don't like to use ignorance. They have a duty in their public office to know what the Constitution says and means. That's right. And ignorance of the law is no excuse. Okay, if you and they have a duty to speak up, and I, t- I talk about that a lot in my book. Okay. Now, now I want to get back. Let me, Lise, while you're on that, let me just bring something up. There's a footnote to what you just said, uh, footnote 7 on page 12. Uh, when questioned at the oral argument regarding the governor's contention that the legislative session ended by operation on June 17th, counsel for the three Republican members of the House, and Repre- House of Representatives agreed that the legislature's June 18th vote effectively extended the session. But that's not true. That's true. And so that's they not all true. They, they the can law, say anything they want constitutional there. Law. That's what they're saying, except yep. they're not really saying it. So you have no. to figure out what they're not saying. So right. so what the justices are saying, well, you know, we, we uh, violated the Constitution. I just showed you that a few minutes ago. Uh, so we got to protect other violators. God forbid that we should have impeachments all over the place. So we're so violators, you... and guess what? We're going to go protect the other violators, and they all agreed to break the law, so it's okay. So are you saying then, you know, where they didn't have a joint, where they weren't, the legislators weren't there, they could not have had a joint order in place? That's correct. What That's I'm saying correct. is that because they didn't vote, so you can only have a joint order after the vote takes place. But on June 17th, which the statute says is the third June, uh, the third Wednesday of June, which happened to be June 17th, uh, they didn't uh, uh, have a roll call. They didn't do any voting on that day to extend their five days 
Uh, so at the end of that day, they just adjourned because they couldn't go any further lawfully. Mm-hmm. If they right. would be violators of the Constitution. So they put the cart before the horse? So they put the... Yes, that's exactly right, yes. Okay, now, when you they look put the at the cart before the horse, let me, I'd like to make... While we're on the cart before the horse, I would just like to make a comment here that it's not the first time that the main Supreme Court upholds lower court decisions when the cart was put before the horse. And and anybody appealing, the Supreme Court is going to go with the lower court when they put the cart before the horse, and people will lose, whether it's their kids, their house, or whatever. And there's documented proof of them doing that. Yeah, and I believe that. But, see, that's adjudication. See, what we're talking here is a question of law, which is not adjudication. Okay, well, I'm talking about how how the Supreme Court operates. They put the cart before the horse to our detriment. Right. Okay, let's move on here. On page 11, uh, in that same paragraph, it says here, Thus the governor argues. Is this about arguing? It's not about arguing at all. It's about you ask something because you're mm-hmm. confused, you're wondering what your duties are, you don't want to violate the Constitution. And one more time, they're saying that the government, the governor argues, which is true, because they went and allowed a hearing where, where his attorney comes in and argues. That's not what Article 6, Section 3 is about. This is a violation of that constitutional article. It's a violation. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to talk about, Phil? Yeah, before we leave this section here, when 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 they talk about the fact that they came back the 18th and that it was okay because nobody complained, they also said that to this date here, there's still no challenge to the validity of the extension. Right. To the contrary, both houses were in substantial agreement about the need to extend the session. The motion was dated June 17th, and that's a wrong one. They put that down. The members of the House voted to pass the motion in numbers well beyond the two-thirds vote required pursuant to 3MRS, Section 2, and the Senate passed the motion unanimously. Well, now we go into Section 25 here, and here's the big joke. Second, neither the Constitution nor the statute expressly requires the legislature to act to extend the session before midnight on the statutory established date. What they're saying there is, so what if it says the 17th and that 17th is over at 12 midnight? Who cares about it being 12 midnight and they went into the 18th? That doesn't count. Well, I'll tell you, if, if you have to have a bill paid by a certain date, what they're talking about is 12 midnight. Go one day beyond that, and you violated paying the bill. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then, you know, for, for, for them to, to use this as an example, if a, if a lawyer came before them to argue a case and they used that as an example, they would have laughed them out of Maine. That's but yet right. the Supreme Court is using that as an example. I laugh at that. That's an, an insult to my intelligence. That's right, and, and it was to me, too, when I started. I couldn't believe that they wrote that. Yeah. Okay, now let's go on for a second. Now, they do mention, I want to mention two things. See, sometimes 
in, uh, it's a, it, if you want to um, um, uh, get away with something, what you do is you add a whole bunch of information that's irrelevant, has mm-hmm. nothing to do with, with the question of law, what LePage is asking. Uh, Section 12 is irrelevant. We don't need to know about Section 12. It's right there on page 12, uh, right there a uh, little below the center. We don't need to know about Section 12. Now go to the next page. Uh, and it talks about, and, and then it says, finally, the legislature has the exclusive authority to set its own rules and procedure. Who cares about uh, talking about that? LePage didn't say anything about rules of procedure and whatever. We don't need to hear that. No. This is all stuff to put in here to confuse people, and that and that's what they want to do. They they want them. They want people to to see this as. Oh, look how smart we are. We put this in and that in and whatever in, and aren't we smart? You know, and, and then if you really know what you're talking about and you have enough background knowledge, I call it baseline knowledge, uh, you look at this and you say, why do we need to see this? Mm-hmm. He never said anything about any rules or the legislature setting rules and whatever. He didn't talk about that at all. No. Look, we're coming down to the hour here, um, and I think this is an important part too. If you if you quickly turn to page uh, 18 and go to section 39, and, and I'll read that part. It says, "Thus, the constitutional provision at issue is ambiguous." No, it isn't ambiguous. If they think it's ambiguous, they they have no business being in the position they're they're in. Anyone who reads that information can see it's not ambiguous. When I saw that, I smelled a rat right away, and I said, uh-oh, what they're trying to do is to convince the people that the Constitution didn't have enough language to target this issue. Uh, Then I wondered... But it's beyond that, Phil. I I wrote in the margin here, uh, right above the word ambiguous, and I put, no way... This opens the door for them to come in, you know, you know, back with the 1875 fraudulent amendment yep. where the yep. justice and the legislature, they can, the, the chief justice arranges and rearranges, omits and adds and whatever, all unlawful because she operates above it. And then the legislature has to either approve or disapprove what she did. Okay, uh, see, see, this opens the door for them to arrange and rearrange, add and omit and whatever. You can bet your life the next time that the Constitution, um, uh, was it every 10 years a new Constitution comes out? This mm-hmm. opens the door for them to go and play with it. That's right. Them. And that's the point I wanted to bring out, is that they know it's not ambiguous, but they wanted the permission to go on. Now, the, the next 11 pages from this point here, the next 11 pages are nothing but descriptions of their opinion, all based, again, on past practice, history, and precedent. And okay, I'll, if you look on page 19, here's, here's it says here, we address context, historical origins, tradition, and precedent. That is not true. That's right. Uh, Article 6, Section 3 is very clear, very clear. Uh, we, they are obliged to answer a question of law, even if it's dumb 
uh, even if it's irrelevant, even if it's compelling or important or whatever, they are obliged. If, if the legislature asks a dumb question, then so be it. Like, like uh, the 19-1 qu- uh, opinion uh, of the three justices that answered because they didn't want to violate the Constitution, they said, even if it causes embarrassment, you're obliged to answer whether you like That's it or right. not. And on page 19, it is totally false what they're, what they're saying. Yep. If you go down to five, six, six sentences from the bottom, yeah. it says, finally, we may look to the interpretation of constitutional provisions other, uh, undertaken by other courts. What the heck are they bringing other courts into this? What, right. what was said at the beginning of this page and what's being said here is unconstitutional. If it's unconstitutional, it's treasonous. It's fraudulent. It's that's, criminal. That's right. And that's why uh, when I wrote that brief, I used the word fraud and treason in there. And I also asked the question about Title Three, Section 2, which is a constitutional mandate, because LePage didn't do it. And I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you another thing. I'm going to switch gears here because we're running out of time. Go to page 21. Uh, right uh, at the bottom of that paragraph, uh, it says here, uh, the executive is not endowed in American democracy. You know what democracy is? <laughs> Mob rule. Yep. Okay, we're not in a democracy. We're in a republic. Well, supposed to be anyways, uh, but we're not. For, for them to use democracy was, was total. You know, I looked at that and I said, do they think we're stupid out here? This is an insult, okay? And then you go to page 22. They once again mention long-practiced traditions and historical interpretations. They Um, can't do that. And it says here, for nearly 40 years must look to the past. Not true. What does Article 6, Section 3 say? It says what it says, and it means what it means, but they want us to believe that it's ambiguous. Yep. Not true at all. Now, you from know, this I point, this whole opinion into the fire. Well, I, <laughs> I I've been trying okay. to get the governor to know this, but uh, I've been shut off, and he, uh, I can't I can't get through to him. From this page on, there is twelve pages, no, seventeen pages. I am sorry. There's yeah. seventeen pages of other states' constitutions. Right. Why do they waste our time? with all these constitutions which don't mean a darn thing. Okay, Dottie, we're, we're running out of time here. Yep. Can you put up on the chat room uh, the 18, I think it's an 1826 that I sent you, and an 18, uh, I think it's 31, because I want people to see for themselves the way it's supposed to work. It's I none of this. It's none of this uh, hearings and arguments and and historical stuff and and whatever. It's 1826 and I think 1831. So you could put it up on the chat room so people can see it for themselves. In 1831. Yeah, I think so. Yes. 1831. Well, 1831. Okay, I, I got it here. Do you have the 1889? Did I send you that one? That, that's a very good one also. They, they did exactly what they were supposed to do. It was, it was perfect what they did. 
they, the, the question of law came to them. The Chief Justice uh, 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 announced to the rest of them, hey, we got a question of law here. Hey, we need to meet next week, and we need to discuss this. We all have to come up with an answer because we're obliged, and we don't have to do this uh, hearing and arguments and, and historical stuff and, and, and presidents and whatever. That, that's a very good one, too. Did I send you that one? Uh, I'm putting up the whole list. Uh, they can get them all. You gave me the 1826, okay. 1831, 1857, okay. 1861, 1873, 1891, 1901, 
I called up the governor's office and I asked to speak to him. The of course the uh, the gatekeepers are always there to prevent that from happening. And I said it's my belief that there is no communication between the governor's lawyer right now on this issue, and that the governor should not accept this opinion because this opinion was not based on on the Constitution, and that if he meets with us, we can run right straight through this, show him, explain to him what he needs to do and to go back to the Supreme Court. Because it's my fear right now that if he does nothing because they don't discuss this with him, any proceedings that, that happen after this, any court cases where they try to impeach him, they are just going to add this to the heap of things that they've already got against him and say this man is incompetent, this proves that he doesn't understand the Constitution, he was told by the Attorney General, he was told by the, uh, by the uh, Supreme Court, uh, this man has no business being a, a governor. He has got to dig his feet in right now, put a U.S. Constitution in one hand and the main Constitution in the other and say, I am not listening to anyone anymore. I am using the Constitution, and I'll be damned if I get punished for doing so. Okay, you know, you two, you two people have been researching for years and decades, and this is really important for not only the people to know, but for the governor to hear. Um. He he has to want to hear this, and how can we get this through somebody else other than one of the gatekeepers who answers the phone? Uh, okay, see, the violators, uh, like Phil was saying, they want to make him, LePage, look like an idiot and, and a violator of the Constitution, and he doesn't understand this and that, whatever. The true violators are the legislators themselves and these Supreme ju- uh, Court justices. They are both the violators, and the and the justices chose. And I said that in in, in a blog. I said, uh, although I was wrong uh, on one part, because I thought LePage would win because it was a solid case as I saw it, uh, especially with uh, uh, Title Three, Section Two. It's very clear that the legislature violated that and they committed fraud and treason when they voted the next day. But you see, the Supreme Court were absolute violators of the Constitution. They went and protected the legislature, which I mentioned on a blog that, that they, they were not going to implicate them, uh, but, but um, uh, it's not LePage that's the violators, although they want to make him look like it. It's they themselves and the legislators. Now, I see two red little, little circles here. Do these people want to come in and ask questions? Uh, oh, wait, we do, probably. Yes, Central Florida. Let's get a question in from Central Florida, Leon. Okay. Central Florida. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm just listening. I didn't have any questions. I'm just it's interested and I'm listening. Uh, oh, okay. All righty. I thought that well, you Well, look, to... before you leave, you're from Florida, right? Well, that's where I'm at at this particular moment, yes. Okay. Um if if you look up your own state constitution, and, and, and this is off subject from what we're talking about right now, um, you know, a lot of people are not aware of their own state constitutions and what it says. And if, if you disagree with the United States Supreme Court on the gay marriage issue, in, the, in your state uh, court, or I'm sorry, in your state constitution, 
it states very clearly the definition between a marriage, and it's, the marriage is between a man and a wife. If, right. Uh, if, I, I understand that, but I disagree that the state has can can determine what anything between a man and a woman is. Well, you got it in the Constitution. You're going to have to remove it if that's not what you like. I just wanted to bring that issue up. Okay, thank you. Yep, bye. Okay, all right. If anybody has a question, if anyone has a question before we leave, you can put it in the chat and I'll ask it, or get on the phone and um, you know come in and ask it yourself. Um, Yeah, do I have any comments about what we shared? Uh, Are we off the wall or what? It doesn't sound like it. No, you, you're making perfect sense. <laughs> you are making perfect sense, and LePage has to hear this. I know, but we can't get through to him. We can't. Uh, you know what I was thinking, and it's just a thought at this moment. I was thinking of sending him a letter and sending him this 191 opinion of the justices, because and then explain some things in there in the in the letter and just send it to him and just see what happens. No. But I'm not sure if I want to go through that, you know. I don't, I'm not even sure he's going to get it. No, the, the the letters don't get past the first gatekeeper. Yeah, that's what I was afraid. Yeah, it's just like a telephone call. Yeah. Okay, I'm done for the day. All right, so are we finished with this report? I think you got the word out on it. Yeah, there's, there's no sense in going any further. If the governor's not going to go any further on it, then there's no sense in us going any further on it. I know, but I, I thought it was important to do the show tonight because we should not remain silent with all this fraud and treason in their opinion. Okay, so, I got a scram. Okay. All righty. So, uh, have we beat this to the end now, Phil? Or are I we, believe, uh, well, we, we could beat it even more to bring out more points, but uh, I don't think it's in any it's necessary. Like I said, if the people aren't going to get behind the governor and if the... Uh, and if the governor isn't going to do anything for himself, there's no sense in us beating this dead horse anymore. Okay. Well, you two did a fantastic job with your research. And uh, someone's saying the Supreme Court should step down. Uh, <laughs> <if> you mean, <laughs> it's, it's the Constitution. Well, they ought to be well, impeached. Every legislator that met and voted on June 18th beyond their delegation of authority, every one of them should be impeached. But they don't read the Constitution. They admit it, Lee's. Phil tried to get them into some seminars. I know. And they weren't interested, you know? So, yes, they're wrong in doing what they did because they didn't know what they're doing. And it's always they follow, you know, um, the sheep with the bell, so to speak. You know, they don't know where they're going, but they follow the bell. Oh, they must be right. He's a judge. Um, She's the chief justice. You know, he's an attorney. They must be right. Or, no, or the, the people are right out here also. Yeah, or he's part of the legislative council, like Thibodeau, for instance, who uh, who uh, requested that roll call for the voting when they had no right to be there to start with, and they, they had no right to vote. But yet they all went along with it, and the justices are saying, oh, nobody objected, so it must be okay. So, well, somebody, so it's okay if we all break the law. Somebody uh, uh, made a comment here and said they knew they were doing housekeeping, in quotes. Yeah, and, that's what they said. <laughs> that's, what they said and I in, that's what they said in, uh, uh, let me see, was it the June 18th uh, uh, exhibit that I have? It said they, he was doing housekeeping, 
not housekeeping. It was fraud and treason with the fact that he was even there to start with, with the rest of them. Well, there's one comment that says, I don't believe they didn't know what day was the last day. If you're waiting to leave for vacation, you know what day you will be done. A comment. Well, they, they were already told that um, they had already gone past the statutory date. Uh, the, the the senator explained that to them very clearly. But when he says, now let's vote, it was kind of more like a command, and everybody followed along like little puppy dogs. Yeah, yeah. but if you or I were there as uh, as a house uh, members of the House or whatever, I would have said, excuse me, we're not even supposed to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I won't even be there to say that because I wouldn't have the authority to be there. <laughs> oh, well, you people did a great job with the research, and uh, if anything comes up, you know, down the road a piece, I'll, yeah. I'll notice, and we can, you know, do another program on it, or yeah. on whatever may come up. Right. Who knows where this is headed, Phil? And right. Lee, thank you for all your research that you do, and Dottie, thank you for being able to give us this uh, this time that we can bring it to the public. And yeah. thank you, Leon, for being uh, uh, yeah, on Leon. the other side here um, and helping us out here, too. All righty, with that, we'll say good night, and we'll see you when we see you. Okay. All righty. Good night, everybody. See you. Good night. Righty. Good night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.